0: Well, I've been teaching on the love of God. Let's turn back to uh, John chapter 13. This is where I began this teaching from. Jesus, the night before he was crucified, said this in John 13:34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And I've been teaching that you can't truly love each other until you've received this love. And it says that the love we're supposed to use is the same love that He used towards us. And I really believe that most of us do not have an adequate revelation of God's love towards us. Religion has polluted it, has, uh, um, I don't know what to say, but it's uh, it's distorted ...the image of God's love. Much of it comes because they still are living under the Old Covenant. They don't realize that Jesus made a totally difference in the way that God deals with us. That all of God's wrath came upon Jesus. And there will not be rejection and punishment. And there is not the conditional uh, things that were true under the Old Covenant... ...because now Jesus has fulfilled all of those conditions. And now we receive just based on what He did. And if we accept Him... We get the fullness of God, we are joint heirs with Him. And most people don't understand this, and so because of it, it has corrupted our impression of God's love, and we first of all aren't receiving the benefits of having God's love, and we certainly aren't able to turn around and give it because of a distorted view of what God's love like. And so this is what I've been talking about all weekend, is just trying to explain that God's love is unconditional, it's not condemning. I showed a lot of different things. We took 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, where it gives the characteristics of God's kind of love, and I applied this uh, from God's standpoint, looking towards us, that He's long-suffering and kind and all of these things. And if any of you have missed any of this, or even if you've been here, I encourage you to get the CDs. This is the kind of message that you need to let soak in. Uh, It's like we're hard ground. And it just takes a while for it to penetrate. It's like a sponge. When a sponge gets hard, you can stick a sponge below the water for just a moment and pull it out. And it'll get a little bit of moisture around the edges, but it doesn't penetrate. You have to let it sit and soak and saturate it. And the love of God, you need to be saturated with it. it you have to just sit and soak in it. And um, so this is the kind of thing that you need to go over and over and over. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 3. And as I said earlier, I've got so much that I'd love to say about the love of God. This is what transformed my life. And I only have this one, one message left to share this with you. But I want to turn to this verse because in the book of Ephesians, Paul prays two prayers. In Ephesians chapter 1, he prays a prayer that God would give us a revelation of what we already have. He doesn't pray that God would give us something more, something new, which is nearly every Christian's prayer. Oh, God, touch me. Oh, God, do something new. Oh, God, do this. Instead, he prays that you would get a revelation of what he's already done. And I believe that that is a major key to the Christian life, is to understand that you don't need God to do something. You don't need God to heal you. God has already put within you the healing power. By His stripes you were healed. You don't need God to prosper you. Ephesians 1, 3, you've already been blessed with all spiritual blessings. You don't need God to love you. God has already poured out His love on you. God has already done everything. What you need is a revelation of what you already have. So that's in the first chapter. That's the prayer that he prays. And then in chapter 3, he prays another prayer specifically about the love of God. And one of the reasons I want to use this scripture tonight is because I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, all right, you've convinced me. I need a greater revelation of the love of God. How do you get it? Well, you get it by studying the Word and seeking. If you seek, you find. If you knock, it's opened unto you. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 12 and 13, when you seek and search with all of your heart is when you'll get it. As long as you can live without a greater revelation of God's love, you will. But when you reach a place to where I'm not going to do this anymore, I'm going to find out the love of God, and you begin to seek and search, and when you open your heart up, I can promise you this, that God wants to reveal His love to you more than you want it. You do not have to plead with God as if He is hesitant or resistant towards showing you how much He loves you. He wants to show you His love, but it has to be with all of your heart. He doesn't give this revelation. It doesn't come when you're occupied with the cares of this world and other things. It says over in Psalms chapter 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. There is benefit to just putting other things aside and getting still and getting focused on the things of God, and that's when revelation comes. Lamont made mention of this tonight that when you know you just need to get into the presence of God, you need to open up your heart, you let you need to let God start speaking to you. And there's a lot of people that your lifestyle's not like that. I'm not saying this in a condemning way, but there are people sitting right here in this auditorium tonight that you have had more praise and worship in the last five services than you've had in years. You don't do things like this. You don't spend time to just focus on the things of the Lord. You're going to have to separate yourself. You're going to have to seek this. God is not going to just casually show you His love. You know, you got five minutes before your favorite show, and God, I've got five minutes, and if you can, if you can show up and just totally change my life in five minutes, fine, but... Uh, five minutes, I'm out of here. You know what? You aren't going to have a real great revelation of God's love. You're going to have to put God first and you're going to have to give a priority to Him. But when you seek with all of your heart, God wants to show this to you more than you want to know it. So here's one of the things that I've prayed a lot. I've taken this prayer from Ephesians chapter 3. You know that this is a godly prayer because it's written in the Bible. Paul prayed it. So you know you're praying according to His will. 1 John 5.14 says, If we ask anything according to His will, which is the Word, then we know that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired of Him. So this is a scriptural prayer. All you got to do is just put your name in here and make this personal. Pray this prayer. I have prayed this prayer hundreds of times and asked God to reveal His love to me. And you know what? He does it. So this is something that you can use. You can go home and you could write this out and put your name in it. Instead of him praying for somebody else, praying that you would get this, just turn it around and say, Father, I pray that I, Andrew, that you are showing me the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth. So anyway, here's this prayer in the third chapter of the book of Ephesians in verse 14. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with, with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Boy, it's hard for me to pass up all of these verses. They're just, they're, they're, every one of them is pregnant. Man, I've, I've studied these things so much. There is so much in here and we just read through this. But you get strengthened with power in the, by His Spirit in the inner man. Most of us are trying to find something in the natural that will satisfy us and that will meet our needs. But it is in the inner man. It is according to the riches of the glory of His grace. Everything that you need comes from Him. I think it was Lamont. Again, that song that he was singing about everything that he needed was in God. It was at Lamont or Charlie. But anyway, it's one of the songs we sang tonight. That everything that we need is Him. And what a great revelation that is. Most people don't understand this. But this is how it happens. It all comes through the inner man. We don't receive from God from the outside in. We receive from God through the inside out. And you have to... Shut off things in the natural and get focused in on the spiritual. One of the ways to do that is praise and worship. Praise and worship will focus your attention on the things of God and it will put you in the spirit realm. And then you start receiving from the spirit and it will speak peace to you. So anyway, I could preach on that. I'm just mentioning that briefly. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Notice that there's dimension to God's love. It's like most people look at God's love like a painting. And it's just this one-dimensional thing. But God's love isn't like that. It's not one-dimensional. It's, it's a, it's a three-dimensional thing. And you need to go walk around behind it and look under it and look over it and see the height, the depth, and the length, and the breadth. Did you know things change when you just quit looking at them from one perspective? When you walk around and look at all of the different aspects of God's love... It gives you a much greater understanding and most people do not understand the height, the depth, the length and the breadth of the love of God. And he says you get rooted and grounded in love. It's like a plant. It has to be planted in something. A seed has to be sown in soil to be able to take root. And most of us aren't rooted in in love. If you aren't rooted and grounded in love, then there can't be growth take place. I can promise you this, if a person ever gets a revelation of how much God loves them, they will grow. They will begin to start producing fruit. You will start seeing things happen in their life. But I see people all of the time that came under conviction one time that they needed the Lord. They prayed and asked the Lord to be their salvation. And I'm not saying that they aren't saved. They are born again. I believe they're saved and stuck just waiting until heaven comes and when we all get to heaven, what a day that will be. But they just go through their life up and down and stressed out and worried and angry and bitter and desperate And there isn't any maturity and it's because they haven't been rooted and grounded in love. Love is like the soil. You can take a seed and a seed will never release its power until it is planted in the earth. I've actually read that they found seeds in the Pharaoh's tombs that are over 4,000 years old. And they never rooted. They had life in them. And they never rooted. And yet after they found these seeds, they plant them in the ground and give them just a little bit of time and some water. And these seeds that are 4,000 years old all of a sudden come to life and huge plants grow out of them. The life was there all along, but it was never rooted. It was never grounded. It was never planted. God's love is what makes everything else work in the kingdom. It says that... Uh, uh, In Colossians, I'd have to look up the exact reference right now, but it talks about uh, being in the bond of love, that love is the bond of perfectness is the terminology. And that's talking about like a mortar. You put bricks together, but there has to be something to hold them together. There's a lot of things in the Christian life. There's the authority of the believer and there's healing and there's deliverance and there's just a lot of things that the Word of God has in it. But love is the bond of perfectness. It's what holds everything else together. It's what takes the Word and it gets rooted in love. Man, there, there is so much in these verses. You've got to be rooted and grounded in love to be able to comprehend what is the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of the love of God? And then in verse 19, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. Now that sounds contradictory. If it passes knowledge, then how can you know it? This is talking about two different things. There is an intellectual knowledge where you just have facts, and then there is a knowing Where it is more than a fact, it's an experience. Matter of fact, the scripture uses the term know to describe the physical relationship between a man and his wife. It says that Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and bare a son. And that's used hundreds of times in the Bible to describe this intimate sexual relationship between a man and a woman. And that's not just talking about intellectual knowledge. In the Western culture, we use the word know to describe intellectual things. But in the Eastern culture that the Bible was written in, it was used to describe experiential stuff. It's the difference between a person going to school and learning something just intellectually and another person going to a trade school where they worked and did it and they have been apprenticed under somebody and they know how to do it versus somebody who just knows how to do it. So this is talking about that you would know, that you would experience the love of God which passes mere intellectual knowledge about it. And sad to say, this is where so many people are. They, if you ask the average Christian, do you believe that God loves you? Oh, yeah, everybody. Yeah, I believe God loves me. But then they'll turn right around and say that, you know what? I didn't do what I was right. God may cause my child to die as punishment for me. And they'll say that right after they say, oh, yeah, I know that God loves me. You don't know the love of God if you're saying that God's the one who's doing those kind of things, that God didn't answer your prayer because you did something wrong. You don't know the love of God. You may have heard about it. You may have an intellectual knowledge, but you haven't experienced the love of God. And this is what this is saying, and that you may know the love of Christ, which passes just intellectual knowledge about it. You need to experience God's love. It needs to become a revelation to you. You know, again, I could spend hours talking about the difference between revelation knowledge and knowledge that just comes by hearing somebody saying it, just giving information. But the Christian life has to be experiential knowledge. Wendell made reference to this, but this is one of the things that our school emphasizes. We teach people about how God loves them, and it's about your personal relationship with God, it's not just knowledge. One of the reasons I resisted having a Bible college for decades is because I saw people that went to Bible colleges and they came out and they had a diploma that they put on the wall, but they were mean and they were argumentative and they caused strife. They had a lot of knowledge, but not a lot of experience with God. And uh, anyway, for, for that reason, I didn't want a Bible college, but the Lord showed me some things about how to make disciples, not just give people information and how to make it experiential. Part of that is that we make every Bible college graduate has to go on a missions trip to where they put into practice in a foreign culture, many times through an interpreter, just things that are totally out of the realm of comfort. And it makes them experience it. And I mean, we see students every single time that are just transformed when you make them start living it instead of just making it information. They've got to do it. I can think of one student, Tom Decker, who uh, was so shy. This guy was an oil guy, and he retired at 40 or 50 or something. He was very, very well off. And uh, his wife was an Aussie, and they moved from from Australia to come back to Colorado for health reasons. And anyway, they came to school having never met me. They had never heard of me. They just looked it up on the internet and they found us. So anyway, he came to school, but Tom was so shy that the first year of school I'd say hi to him and he'd shake his head. He never said a word to me. I think finally in the second year he might have said hi one time. But Tom was just painfully, painfully shy. And we sent him over to, I think, wasn't it Uganda? And he went to Uganda and he had to conduct a church service. Two or three hundred people there. And it was just like, you know, put him in front of, um, you know, these rough rednecks that are working on oil wells and he was fine. But put him in a church service in front of people. It was like the worst thing you could have ever done to him. And he was painfully shy, couldn't talk. But you know what? He reached out. And believed God, and spoke, and the power of God fell so strongly that 200 people, 150, 200 people, whatever it was in that church, all got slain under the power of the Holy Spirit. The pastor was out cold on the floor, and miracles happened. People got set free, and Tom was just—he was the only person left standing. And he waited and waited, and nobody got up. They were out, and he just got up and left. But you know what? After he experienced God's power, that man was never the same. And he went over and spent two or three years in England running our school over there. I think you guys went to school under him in our England school. And I mean, it was just amazing. But it was because he experienced God. He didn't just have a head knowledge, he put it into practice, stepped out by faith and he saw God come through. This is what this is describing is that you need to know, you need to experience the love of God which is beyond just intellectual knowledge. You need to get to where you can get in the presence of God and love Him and experience His love back. That you can say, Father, I love you and hear Him say back to you that He loves you and experience that. And it says here that you would know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, and then the result is that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Many people are want to, wanting to be filled with the fullness of God. They're wanting to have healing. They're wanting to have anointing. They're wanting to have power. They're wanting to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're wanting prosperity. They want all of the things of God. But this says that that comes as a result of experiencing the love of God. Not just mere intellectual knowledge, but experiencing it. And that produces being filled with, the, with all the fullness of God. You can turn this verse around and start at the end and work back and say this, that if you aren't filled with all of the fullness of God, if you don't have fullness of joy, if you don't have healing, if you don't have prosperity, if you don't have joy, if you don't have peace if you don't have hope for the future, if you don't have all of the fullness of God that has been promised us, it's because you don't have an experiential understanding of the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of the love of God. It's really that simple. If we would just seek the Lord, and again, I say that He wants you to experience His love more than you want to experience it, But it takes time. It takes separation. He's not going to do it on your way to doing something else. But when you get to where you seek this, you will find. And when you make it a priority, God will start revealing Himself to you. And He will show you how much He loves you. And once you experience this, you will be filled with all of the fullness of God. And then the next verse says, in verse 20, "...now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think." People just put a period right there. And they make a statement that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. That's not true. It goes on to say, "...according to the power that works in us." What is this power? It's the power of love that he's been describing, understanding the goodness of God... And if you have this power of love, well, then God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. But if you aren't letting the love of God flow on the inside of you, if you've got fear, if you've got hurt and all of these kind of things, then that limits what God can do. God flows through people, not outside of us. You know, people are praying all of the time for God to just pour out His power and they want a revival and they pray, Oh God, move and send revival. That's not how revival comes. Revival doesn't come by praying for it and asking God for it. God has already put Himself on the inside of every person. That's what uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 through the end of the chapter is talking about. You've already got it. You just need a revelation of what you've got, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. God has already put himself on the inside of us and revival comes when some person gets a revelation of that and starts flowing in it and speaking it and releasing their faith and then it's like a, a flood comes through them and things start happening, but it always flows through a person. It is not going to come by you just praying and all of a sudden the power of God is going to fall on Houston and everybody's going to receive. It's going to flow through people. It's going to come through you. It's according to the power that works in you. And it's specifically talking about the love of God. And we have to just open up. God wants you to know His love. But it doesn't come when you're choked with all of the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things. Mark chapter 4 verse 18 talks about being choked with all of these things. It doesn't come when you're so busy and so occupied with the things of the world that you don't leave any time for God and that you don't minister to Him. I can tell you, God is a giver. God just so loved the world that He gave. God is a giver. And I don't know if you've ever been around a real giver But givers, when you get around them, they are fanatical givers. Ashley Teradez is a fanatical giver. Ashley and and Carly. Did somebody get you today? Oh, Derry got him. But you go to eat with Ashley, it would take a miracle for you to get the ticket. I've actually paid his bill before and then found out that he paid mine afterwards. I mean, it's just hard to get one up on Ashley. Ashley is a giver. I've seen people before that tried to pay for the gas of somebody and the other guy ran up and grabbed his card and put his card in. And they pulled it out and finally threw his credit card out in the street. And the guy had to go out in the street and get the credit card. When you find people who really understand the power of giving, you can't out give them. And if somebody does give to you, the first thing they want to do is, well, I'm going to give. I'm going to, I want to give to you. I don't want to be the one that's receiving all. everything. I want to be the giver. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I say all of that to say that God is a giver. And if you start giving love and praise to Him, Father, thank You. And it doesn't have to be for, you know, an earth-shattering thing. But just thank You, Father, that you, You gave me life. Thank You that I've got life. Thank You that I live in the United States, one of the freest places on the face of the earth. Thank you for my health. Thank you for the things that you've done. Thank you for a beautiful day today. Thank you that things are as good as they are. You just start thanking God for the sunrise. Thank God for the birds. Thank God for the flowers. Thank God. You just start thanking God and giving to Him and I guarantee you God will not let you outgive Him. You start giving and praising Him. This is what that book on the effects of praise is about. When you start praising God, it ministers to the Lord. It blesses God. I know most people don't have this concept. Most people think, God doesn't need me. He doesn't need my praise. He doesn't need anything. But the scripture says that in... uh, Acts chapter 13 verse 2 that Paul and Silas and others were fasting and praying and ministering to the Lord. What does that mean? Does that mean they put a chair in the middle and started preaching at God and telling Him what to do? That's what some people think ministry is. is like preaching. But it says that when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, for those of you that believe Peter was the first pope and he was a... Uh, Celibate, uh, that kind of hurts that doctrine. <laughs> but when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, she rose up and ministered unto Jesus. That didn't mean that she sat him down and preached to him, told him what to do. You know what that meant? She washed his feet. She fixed food for him. She asked if there was anything else. And she ministered to him. Did you know God is love? 1 John 4, 8. And any person who loves has a need for that love to be returned. It says in Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 that for His pleasure we are and were created. God created mankind for relationship, not for service, but for relationship. It is true that we serve Him and we can do things and He'll ask you to do things, but He created you for relationship. That's what He wants. And God inhabits the praises of His people in uh, Psalms chapter 22, I believe it's verse 3. God inhabits, God is holy and He inhabits the praises of Israel. God longs for us to love Him and have relationship with Him. And when you start thanking Him and saying, Thank you, Father. I love you. Thank you for for what has happened. I guarantee you, God is not going to let you out give Him you start giving thanks and praise to Him, He inhabits that, He loves it, and He will go to revealing Himself back. That's what happens when praise and worship. If you truly are praising worship and not just getting into the beat and the excitement of it, and if you are truly worshiping God, I guarantee you God inhabits that praises and many of you will experience things during times of praise and worship because you give unto Him and it just opens up the floodgates. God is wanting to reveal himself to us. But we have to open up our heart. Praise and worship will open up your heart to that. You know, I've got this little story about my son, uh, Peter. He's the one who died, was dead for five hours, and God brought him back from the dead. Awesome. No brain damage. No more than he had before. It was awesome. And... uh, But when he was real young, I took him and his brother, Joshua. I've got two boys, Joshua and Peter. They're two years apart. And I took them horseback riding. And I let them each take a friend with them. And so there was four kids and me, and we went out and we rode our horses all day long. We made a rope and put it across the creek and swam in the creek and dammed the creek up and got muddy and dirty and did all of these things. We ate ice cream and junk food, all of the stuff that if Jamie was there, she wouldn't have approved of. And the kids just had a wonderful time. And then when we got home, we cleaned them up and prayed with them, had devotion and went to bed. And as I was walking out of Peter's room and um, turned the light off, he said, Dad? And I said, Yes. And he said, You're a good dad. You know what that did? It blessed me. See, we say, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. I may or may not bless the Lord. (laughs) Blessing the Lord isn't a word that you say, it's when you say, thank you. Thank you, Father, for loving me. Thank you for what you've done in my life. And when you do something like that, it blesses God. You know what, when Peter said that to me about you're a good dad... Man, I wanted to drag him out of bed and go ride horses again and go through all this again just so I could hear him say you're a good dad. I mean, it makes your heart skip a beat. It like you're a good dad and ever since then, I just tell the Lord, I say God, you're a good God. You're a good dad. I appreciate you. I thank what you're doing. And you know what? When you do something like that, it just opens up the floodgates of heaven. God will start loving you and revealing His love to you. He'll not let you out give Him. And you can bless the Lord. That's what it means when it says bless the Lord. It doesn't mean that you just lift your hands or that you do something special, but you actually express your love for Him and tell Him that you appreciate what's going on. And I know there's somebody sitting here thinking, well, nothing good's going on in my life. I'd just like to give you a one way ticket to Romania. And you'd come back thinking, you know what? I had it better than I thought I did. Man, you, you, spirit of slap just wants to come all over me when I think about something like that. There's some of you that you just focus. I mean, if somebody cut your throat with a brand new knife, you would gripe. You wouldn't see the blessing in it. But you could say, praise God, it was brand new. It wasn't rusted. There's no germs on it. There's always something that you could be praising God for, but there's people that just gravitate towards all of the negative, and they see all of the negative in life. There is so much to be thankful for. Thank God that things are as good as they are. Amen. Praise the Lord. And if you would go to thanking the Lord and just thanking Him out loud, talk about it. God, thank you that you've blessed me. Thank you, Father, for the good things that you've done in my life. Thank you for the freedoms that I've had. Thank you for the things that I've missed that I don't even know that I've missed. And if you went to thanking Him, I can guarantee you that God would go to revealing His love and you would feel the pleasure in the love of God and you would have all of the joy that you can handle. But when you just gripe and complain and look on bad things, did you know emotions follow your thoughts? And if you're depressed, it's because you're thinking on depressing things. It's not because of your hormones. It's not because of some chemical imbalance. It's because you're thinking on rotten things. Quit thinking on the bad things. Quit watching as the stomach turns on the television. Quit watching murder and rape and plunder for entertainment, quit reading all the dime novels and stick your nose in the Word and go to focusing on God and think about the good things and you will be happy. There is no exception to that. God is a good God. And you can just pray this prayer and ask God to help me, help me to understand the height, the depth, the length and the breadth and then go to thanking God and worshiping Him for the, do, for the things that you do know. Maybe you don't have the greatest revelation of the love of God, but if you're born again, you've got a greater revelation of God than most people. You've at least accepted that, and you're going to spend eternity in heaven. It seems like somebody could praise God for that. If you never got healed here, which I believe God wants you well, man, if you die, you go to be with Jesus, that's a good deal. If you never prospered in this life, you're going to go live in a mansion on streets that are paved with gold. You ought to be able to praise God and thank Him for that. If you never see what you're praying for come to pass here, you're going to live in a place where there's no more sorrow, there's no more pain, there's no more problems, there's no more devil. There won't be any more sickness and you could praise God for that. Man, you got a lot to be praising God for. And if we would just start thanking Him for how good things are, you would find out that the love of God would go to flowing towards you. It's like when you go to praising God, it primes the pump. And I mean pretty soon, here comes the flow of God's love. I'm telling you, this is how I do it. I just, I just start off thanking God for how good things are. They may not be perfect, but man, it's, it's better than it's been. And it's getting better. I haven't arrived, but I've lived. And I just go to thanking God. And I can't do do that very long at all before I go to experience such a thankfulness and joy and peace and the love of God comes over me. If you aren't experiencing God's love, it's not God's fault. God wants to release it. He does love you. It's not a matter of does He love you. He loves you. It's just a matter of our revelation and much of it comes because we have traditions and doctrines of man, Mark chapter 7 verse 13, that make the word of no effect. Many of us have been painted an incorrect picture. You're going to have to systematically tear down the doctrines that have taught you the wrong things about the love of God. And then you are going to have to start worshiping Him and blessing Him. And as you do that, man, God will inhabit the praises of His people. He will go to revealing His love towards you. Awesome things will happen. Look over in Philemon chapter 1. This is the book right before Hebrews. A little one chapter book. And in Philemon chapter 1, Paul prays a prayer for his friend Philemon and he says this in verse 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual. That means it would begin to work by the acknowledging "...of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus." Did you know the word acknowledge? Acknowledge means that you are only coming to a realization, to an appreciation of something that already exists. You don't acknowledge something when you are asking for a petition. You wouldn't call that an acknowledgement or something. You acknowledge something that is already yours, something that already exists. So it says that the communication of your faith becomes effectual. It begins to work when you acknowledge every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. God's love isn't out there that you are asking Him to send it down. Oh God, put forth your hand and touch me and show me your love. Oh God, move in my life. This is where so many screwed up doctrines in the body come from where they talk about there's demons over Houston that are blocking our prayers from getting up to God and we've got to get together and intercede and get a hole in the atmosphere so that our prayers can get up to God. How dumb can you get and still breathe? Well, I've heard that. We do need to intercede and make a path up to heaven. The Bible says that He lives on the inside of you. You don't need your prayers to get above the ceiling. You don't need them to get above your nose. God is here on the inside of you. It's in your belly. That's the reason you bow your heads when you pray. So you can say, Father. This whole thing, it's just weird. And God is already in you. His love is already in you. You don't need God to come down and touch you or do something. You've already got love in you. The Bible says in Galatians 5.22 that the fruit of the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those things are in you all of the time, not just when you feel them. Some people could take the things that I'm talking about here and say, "Oh man, you just want a feeling of God's love." Sometimes you feel the love of God; sometimes you don't. Feelings are fickle. You cannot control feelings. They—they're like—they don't have a handle on it. You you can't—you know—sometimes you get tired. You just don't feel as good. I've had people come up and spit in my face before, spit a big old wad of chewing tobacco right in my face. And you know what? I felt like punching their lights out. (laughs) But I didn't go by my feelings. Just because I feel something doesn't mean you have to do it. I knew that God still loved them, and I never missed a word in the sentence. I never quit ministering to them. I just wiped it off and kept on going, and I operated in love towards them. I found out that I can choose how I want to act. I can't always choose how I feel, but I can choose how I want to act, and I can act that way. So I'm not talking about just the feeling. Some people could take what I'm talking about and start praying, oh God, please let me feel your love. That's not what I'm talking about. You need to just believe, acknowledge that in your spirit you already have love, joy, and peace. And you just trust in it. And you go to worship in Him. And if you have goosebumps go up and down your spine, awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for a goosebump. But you know what? I don't care if I have a goosebump or don't. I know that you love me. And I just rejoice in the fact, not the feeling, that God loves me. And so if I have a goosebump, wonderful. If I don't, wonderful. It just doesn't matter to me. There's some of you that are feeling junkies. And if you don't feel it, you don't believe it's real. And that's not good. Because there's just things that can affect your feelings. And you can't trust feelings. And you know, when you get to where you aren't focused on your feelings, you actually have more consistent and more godly feelings. I'm not saying that I feel depressed and bad but I'm saying that it's not something that I seek. It doesn't matter how I feel. I just praise God because I know that He loves me. I know it's what the Word says. And I believe it. And I act on it. And I have a peace and a joy that comes to me. Those aren't feelings. Those are things that are fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And you already have this on the inside of you. You just need to acknowledge it. I don't know if I'm getting this across to you, but most people are praying. They, they would take the things that I've said and say, Oh, God, I need to know your love. Would you please show me your love? Would you love me the way you love Andrew? He already does. You don't need God. And if you wait and ask God to give you something that you've already got, you're going to be frustrated. That's like if I gave you my Bible... And if you were sitting there with my Bible in your hand, and then you said, Andrew, could I please have your Bible? How do you respond to somebody who's asking you for something that you've already given them? If you were asking me for my Bible and you already had it, I'd probably just look at you and not say anything. I wouldn't know what to say. Like, How do you respond to somebody who's asking? There'd probably just be silence on my part. Similar to when you're saying, oh, God, please love me. There's just silence. Like, I mean, if God could be confused, I think God would be confused. I believe God would look over Jesus and say, didn't you tell them that they got love, joy, and peace? You were supposed to let them know that. Didn't you tell them that you loved them and that's the reason you died for them? Amen. Man, the reason you aren't hearing from God is because you're asking Him to do something He's already done. You don't need God to love you or to give you love. What you need to do is go to acknowledging what you already have in Christ Jesus. And this leads me back to a point. I'd love right now to pray to preach on spirit, soul, and body because like I was saying when I gave that book tonight, this is what opened up my understanding about everything because... I understand that it's in the Spirit that I already have the love of God. And Jesus said, that which is Spirit is Spirit, and that which is flesh is flesh. That's just an old English way of saying that Spirit is Spirit, flesh is flesh. You can't feel the Spirit. I know that that's a problem for some people, because some people think, oh man, I feel the Spirit. And lots of times, oh, I've got the Holy Ghost on me and all of this... I do acknowledge that you you perceive the presence of the Lord but you aren't really feeling the spirit because Jesus said that you can't feel the spirit that you can see the effects of the wind but you can't see the wind you can feel the wind in a sense but you really can't see it you can't grab it you can't touch it it's in a you can see the effects that it has on people when people go to believing God and the Lord touches them you can feel faith. You can feel the anointing of God. It's tangible. You can put faith in the anointing into a piece of cloth and pass it to a person. In the 19th chapter of Acts, verse 11, Paul did that. You can actually put the anointing of God into anything. I could put the anointing of God into this leather on this Bible and pass it to somebody and they could experience it. But you can't feel the Spirit. We say that, but technically speaking, it's not true. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling and it's just something that you have to believe. And this is what changed my life around is when I realized that in the spirit part of me, I can't feel the love, the joy, the peace, the long suffering and all of these things. I don't always feel it, but it's always there. The problem is people will say, well, man, if God loved me, then I'd feel it. I'd know it. There'd be a smile on my face. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Because all of these things are true in the spirit realm. Whether it ever manifests itself in your physical body is completely dependent upon your mind and whether it's renewed. Again, I say that your emotions follow your thoughts 100%. If your thoughts are are gravitating towards the natural and if you're thinking that if God was really here, I could feel Him, well, then you'll miss God. But if you go by the Word... Uh, John 6.63 says, the uh, words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This is a perfect representation of what is true in the spirit. And you go by the word. The word says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's what's true. And you say, but God's not within a hundred miles of that place. I bet most people have said something like that. You'll come into a church service and they'll say, Oh God, we ask you to come and be with us today. That's a dumb prayer. It's a dumb prayer. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Where two or three are gathered together in the midst, there I am in the midst of you. And yet we will pray and say, Oh God, come and be with us. People say, oh, you're just nitpicking. No, I'm showing you that most people do not go by the Word. They go by what they feel. And because nobody jumped a pew, because nobody shouted, nobody rolled on the floor, nobody said hallelujah, there wasn't a message in tongues, well then God wasn't there. That's carnal. And you'll miss God doing that. God is always present with us. And sure, He can manifest Himself in some supernatural ways, but it doesn't matter if there is a manifestation or isn't. God is always present. And it's not only true in a group setting, but it's true in you. Sometimes you feel or see a manifestation of God and of His presence, but whether you see or feel it or not, the Lord never leaves you and never forsakes you, ever At the time you felt like you are your most depressed, God, you've left me. You aren't within a thousand miles of this place. God is right there with you. Every time you've been depressed and feeling like, Oh God, I'm just so depressed. Your spirit is just basking in the love of God. It's jumping up and down and doing flip-flops. It's got love, joy, and peace in it. Your spirit has never been depressed. It has never been discouraged since it's been born again. You've got God living on the inside of you. And so if you are depressed and if you're discouraged, the problem is you aren't in the Spirit. You are in the flesh. You're just going by how you feel. And what you've got to do is grow up and through the Word, find out what is true in the Spirit. That in the Spirit, you do have the love of God. And God does love you and you are awesome. And you find out what the Word says and you start basing your feelings and emotions on what the Word says and you start thanking Him for what He says about you, not what you see. The Bible says you can go lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And a lot of people will look at their hands and think, well, I don't feel anything. I don't have a burning. I'm not sure that I've got it. His Word says you do. But it's, it's in your spirit, man. You have to believe it. And people are waiting until they have some kind of an experience that makes them believe what the Word says. That's not it. you got to get to where the Word is enough. You base your life on the Spirit and you start acting on what the Spirit says. The Bible says you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Are you going to believe that or are you going to wait until you have a vision that somehow or another tells you? That's carnal. Quiet in this Presbyterian church. (laughs) I tell you, this hindered me. After I had this experience, March the 23rd, 1968, and I found out how much God loved me, I felt it. I felt it. It was a feeling. It was an emotion. But it wore off. It'll always wear off. God doesn't want you to live by feelings. I've been as high as I believe anybody could possibly get. And you can't sustain it. God doesn't want you to sustain it. If he wanted to, he could have a bird land on your shoulder and talk to you and tell you what to do. He could have a dog walk by and bark out everything. He could write your name in the cloud. Some of you are saying, amen, do it. That's not God's way. God doesn't like that. God, Without faith, it's impossible to please him. God does not want to just give you physical feelings and emotions so that you don't have to use your faith. That is not where God wants you to live. He wants you to believe and trust what His Word says. God is a God of faith and that's just the way that He is. And so anyway, my emotions wore off and I went through a period of time for about 13 months or something where I was so longing to get back into the feeling ...of God with me... ...that I actually prayed and asked God to kill me for 13 months. Because I just wanted to go to heaven. I figured that's the only way I could ever get these feelings back. And then I nearly died twice and one day... ...found out I wasn't really as excited about dying as I thought I was... ...and I was going to have to survive. And I was in Vietnam and I was in a bunker... ...that was wallpapered with nude pictures of women. It was not conducive to seeking the Lord... And so, out of desperation, I just did this. I just opened my Bible and I read. I couldn't even put the Bible down and look around and think about it. I mean, I just kept my Bible like this. And I just read, I mean, 15 hours a day to keep my mind stayed on the Lord. And I began to learn through the Word. Through the Word, the Bible says that the Word is like a mirror, a spiritual mirror. And through this Word, I began to start seeing who I was in the Spirit. I began to find out that I already had the love of God. I already had peace. I already had joy. I didn't feel like I had joy. I felt like, man, God, you left me. And the Lord just showed me. He says, you just got a taste for just a moment, but in the Spirit... I'm always with you. I love you more than you have ever felt or ever experienced. And I began to believe it because the Word said it, not because I had a feeling. And that's what changed my life. If I would have only had an encounter where I felt the love of the Lord, none of you would have ever have seen me. I'd have never been on television. I would not be doing what I'm doing. I would have been one of those statistics that fell by the wayside because I would have let panic and depression Set in and wonder, God, why I have, why don't you love me today the way I felt yesterday? But I came to realize through the Word that God's love for me is consistent. It never changes, whether I change or not. If I'm up or down, good or bad, God loves me the same. And that was a key that unlocked everything for me is finding out that there is a part of me that I can't feel. There's a part of me that exists and I just have to go to the Word of God and believe it. Amen. And I found out now, it's like with that verse I was using in Philemon 1.6, I begin to acknowledge the good things that were in me. I begin to say, Father, I don't feel it, but I know I have the same power on the inside of me that raised Christ from the dead. And I'm going to start talking and acting like and laying hands on people, not because I have a feeling, but because I have faith in the picture, the image that the Word of God has painted. And I started doing that and I started seeing results and people healed and raised from the dead and miracles happened. I started speaking that I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. Not because I felt that way, but because that's what the Word said. And I started praising God and acting like I was happy and found out that I was happy. And I just started talking about how good God is. Not because everything in my life was good, but I just chose to focus on the good things instead of the negative things. And man, it it caused my heart to have peace. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, God already loves you. He's already placed Himself on the inside. He is more desirous to reveal Himself to you than you are to have Him reveal himself to you and if you would just go to acknowledging the good things that are on the inside of you start looking in the word of God to counter this religious doctrine that has misrepresented God and told us wrong things about God and if you would tear down the traditions and doctrines of man and start letting the word of God dominate your thinking and then just acknowledge these good things thank him for the things that you're experiencing and do that, I guarantee you the love of God, would you would start experiencing it in an experiential way. And that, that again isn't just talking about feelings, it's just talking about a confidence, a knowing, faith. And you know that God loves you. And once you get that, you become rooted and grounded in that and then... All things. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all things that you could ask or think because this love of God is flowing in your life and you're basing it on what the Word says instead of what you feel. I said, I've said i said a mouthful here tonight. What I'm saying is nearly 180 degrees opposite of what most Christians are thinking. And did you know that some of the most carnal Christians on the face of the earth are spirit-filled people? Because they have experienced some physical manifestations. And you can feel the presence of God and the anointing of God in faith and you see people healed and you see people get excited and shout and praise and run and jump. And because of that, If you aren't careful, you will get to where you think that that is God. And it could be a reaction, our reaction to the presence of God. But but even when you don't see somebody praising and jumping and when you don't feel something, God is still the same. His love for you is exactly the same. If you aren't careful, you will get off the subject... And you will get to looking at these physical manifestations and thinks that if nobody is shouted and screamed, falling over, passed out in the spirit, that God wasn't there. And that's wrong. And you'll become carnal through that. In a sense, some of the denominations like the Baptists that don't believe in the spectacular and in the miraculous, they actually have to walk more by faith because they don't believe anything happens in this life. They don't believe you can be healed. They don't believe you can prosper. They don't believe things can happen. And so they just have to trust in God and stand on the fact that I believe God is with me. But if you aren't careful, you'll get to where you get your attention off of just what the Word of God says and you're looking for some supernatural manifestation. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. If it comes, let it come. I'm not against any of that. But I'm saying that you shouldn't, like you shouldn't sit here and say... That, Father, I believe you're here because two or three are gathered together in your name and we trust it. But then all of a sudden a glory cloud comes in and you see something and then everybody goes out. God was there. And why do you know God was there? Because we saw the glory cloud. No, that's not why you know that he was there. It's because the word says that he would always be with us. That's just a, a manifestation. If it comes, let it come. Enjoy it. Thank God. You ought to be like Jesus when he said, Father, glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. And there came an audible voice out of heaven. This is John chapter 12 that said, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. God spoke to him in an audible voice and the people heard it. And Jesus turned around and said, This voice didn't come for my sake, but for your sake, so that you might believe. In other words, Jesus was saying, I didn't need to hear that. I didn't need to hear it with my ears I heard it with my heart. I knew that God would answer my prayer. I knew that He heard my prayer. This didn't come for me. A physical thing happened, but it it didn't change Jesus' faith. It didn't make Him more confident now. He really believed it because something happened in the natural. No, He believed it. He says, this didn't come for me. This came for your sake so that you could believe. The reason God does things and manifestations is for the people who struggle and He will do things to help you along. But brothers and sisters, we need to get to the place where we just acknowledge the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus. God loves you. He loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. And if you aren't experiencing the benefit, it's not because God isn't releasing it, it's because you aren't seeking it because you've got doctrine that is clogged up the pipe and you're going to have to rotor rooter that stuff out and get rid of your traditions and doctrines of man so that the love of God can flow. And then you need to prime the pump by just start worshiping Him and thanking Him. Father, thank You that You're such a good God. Thank You for this day. Thank You for the things that You've done. And as you start worshiping Him, I guarantee you He will not let you out give Him. You start loving Him, and I guarantee you, you will begin to experience the love of God. Amen? Amen. This is really simple stuff that I've said, but you know, it's practical, and it'll work. I challenge any of you. I challenge you to take what I've talked about and put it into practice. And you do that. And again, if you don't put a time limit on it, say, all right, God, I'm going to give you five minutes, ten minutes, and if everything Andrew said comes to pass in ten minutes, then fine. Well, it won't work that way. Let me use one last verse here. I quoted it already, but over in uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, a passage of Scripture that is often quoted, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, "...for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace." and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And then in verse 12, Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me, and you shall find me, when you shall search for me with all your heart. He didn't say that you just... You spend five minutes seeking that you do it passively. All right, God, I'll I'll try this and see if it works. When you get to a place when you seek with all of your heart, and God knows your heart, God knows whether He's first in your life or not, whether you really long for this more than you long for all of the other things that we indulge and fill ourselves with. When you get to where you seek with all of your heart, I guarantee you, you will find God will reveal Himself to you. And that looks different for different people. I remember one time in Baton Rouge over here. I was at Milldale, Louisiana. If any of you know where Milldale, Louisiana is. And there was a church camp over there. And I heard a guy talking about uh, having an encounter with the Lord. And this is after I'd already had this experience, but I hadn't got my mind straightened out yet. And I hadn't understood that He was always with me. So I was looking for another supernatural encounter with the Lord. And I remember after getting so touched that I just started walking. I walked the bayous of Louisiana all night long, eight hours at night back in the woods, which probably wasn't smart. If a person didn't get me in, a gator could have. I don't know. But I was just seeking the Lord so much I stayed up all night long. Saying, Father, I want you, I want you more than I want anything else. And praying and seeking. And you know what? You don't have to do that. I didn't have to do that. But that's just the way that it took manifestation in me. Man, I couldn't go to bed. I wanted to experience God. I wanted to know God. I was seeking with all of my heart. And you know what? I found. You will find. If you haven't, I've had people come to me before and said, I've tried that and it didn't work well, then you didn't seek with all of your heart. You may have sought more than you've ever sought God before, but God knows when you get to a place to where you are seeking Him with all of your heart. And I guarantee you, if you seek, you find. You knock, it's open to you. It'll it'll happen, but you just have to get serious. You have to get to where you long for God more than your necessary food more than anything else. And when you get to where you want God more than anything else, you will find and you will have God reveal Himself to you. Amen? It's really all that simple. I wished I had something else. I wished I could just give you step one, two, three, you push the button and God comes out. But it's it's this simple. You've already got it. God's already commended His love to you. It's not a matter of God giving you love. It's a matter of you getting revelation of it. And your doctrine hinders us. we got to get rid of stinking thinking, wrong doctrine, and then you got to get to where you're seeking God with all of your heart. And when you do that, God will reveal Himself to you. And when that happens, that is the root of everything. That's the ground that makes everything in the Christian life grow. You will experience the fullness of God. You will see Him do exceeding abundantly above anything you've ever asked for because of this power of God's love working on the inside of you. I challenge anybody in here, if you would follow what I'm saying and just seek until you find, seek with all of your heart, there wouldn't be a single person ever come back to me and say, well... I tried it and it didn't work. That's not the way it is. God loves you and God is wanting to reveal His love to you. If you just would cooperate a little bit, God would do it. But we just fill ourselves with all of this junk of this world and we occupy ourselves and don't give God an opportunity. I tell you, something special happens when you just separate yourself unto God and start worshiping Him and loving Him and thanking Him for His goodness. It just changes things. And I don't know why people don't do it more. This is the recipe for success. You minister unto the Lord. Bless the Lord. Say, God, you're a good dad. You're a good dad. Thank you that things are as good as they are. And you go to doing that, and I guarantee you, God will show up big time. God will manifest himself. You'll begin to understand You know, one last story. I had a a minister's conference that I was conducting, and I was ministering along these lines, and a friend of mine, Bob Nichols, who's on my board of directors, he's been a friend of ours for many, many, many years. And Bob Nichols was sitting on the front row, and Bob has had a lot of things happen. He had an $18 million facility that two tornadoes collided over them, And in 45 seconds, it was level to the ground. He lost everything in 30-something years' worth of ministry. But he just started believing God. He had a daughter that had a car wreck and bumped her head, and she started having headaches, and then she had a seizure, and they pronounced her dead, but they revived her. And I forget how many years it's been, maybe 14 or something, 15 years, and the doctors say she's still brain dead, and she has to have 24-hour-a-day nursing care. At home. But she's gotten better. She stands up. She walks on a treadmill. She'll say a few words. She's improving. I mean, they say that she's brain dead, and yet she'll talk. And she responds to you. I mean, it's a miracle, but it's not a completed miracle. And he has had people in his home 24 hours a day for over a decade. And he's had so many things that he could be griping and complaining about And I was preaching along these lines about just thanking him for how good things are and praising him and giving him praise for how good it was. And I mean, right in the middle of my message, Bob Nichols stood up and threw his Bible on the floor and he said, I have had all of this I can take. I've got to thank God for how good he is. And he just started praising God. He lost it. He just started worshiping God. You were there, weren't you, Charlie and Jill? And he started praising God. And I tell you what, other people who knew his circumstances and how bad in the natural it was, and yet they saw how thankful he was for the goodness of God. People started repenting. People started coming up and saying, man, I thought I had problems. I don't have any problems. They started (laughs) repenting and getting things straight. And it was powerful. There's not a person in here who's got a reason to gripe. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I assume that you are still breathing. You ought to be praising God. We ought to be thanking God for how awesome He is. Let's just stand up and begin to worship God and thank God that things are as good as they are. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for our freedom. Thank you for our salvation. Father, thank you that we are born again. And if Satan stole everything we have, we still have our salvation, that we'll live forever, ever in heaven. Thank you that your love for us is constant, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. If people have left us, if mates have left us, if children have left us, if friends have left us, if we've been laid off, if we've been rejected, thank you that you never reject us. Thank you that you love us just as if there was nothing wrong with us. Father, if we never saw healing in our physical body, thank you that we will live for eternity with no sickness, no disease, no pain no sorrow. Father, if we never see finances flow in this life, thank you that we will have a mansion and streets paved with gold. Thank you, Father, that you love us and you've given us everything that pertains unto life and godliness. Thank you, Father, that in you we are complete And Father, we just pray this prayer tonight that you would open up the eyes of our understanding, that you would help us to comprehend with all saints the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of the love of God, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us. Thank you for sending your best. Thank you for doing without your son for 33 years so that he could come here and redeem us. Thank you, Father. Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.